You're listening to In the Open, a Mental Health America podcast, a space where we explore mental health and navigate the challenges of life through honest and candid conversation. Hey, everybody. Welcome back to In the Open. Hi, everyone. Today, we're going to talk about how trauma affects our sleep as part of our trauma series. Do you have sleep problems? Generally, I don't. So when I do experience sleep issues, yeah, it's definitely tied to my emotional state. Yeah, 100%. I hate sleep and I need sleep. You hate sleep? I hate it because I want it and I can't have it. Generally, I'm the one, I, man, whenever I share this, people are like, man, you are really special. But the, the fact is that I needed for it to be quiet for me to go to sleep. I also have the thing where like tiny little sounds or repetitive sounds, they like irk the hell out of me. Oh so if there's anything like that, it influences how I can rest. And I have to ha- have to sleep with my eyes covered, like with a um, sleep mask. So all of that has to happen before I even like get to a place of trying to sleep. People um, are with like you are impossible to sleep with, with people like <laughs> me who literally get into fights every night and flail. Oh, boy. And like when I first met my husband, he was like, why are you breathing so loud? But he would say it in a half asleep <laughs> state. So I don't think he realized what a jerk he sounded like. Mm-hmm. He's like, stop breathing so loud. I'm like, do you want me to stop breathing? Stop moving? Stop existing? Yeah. I've had those conversations. And so let me, so all of this process has to happen. So you need it to be absolutely perfect. Yeah. Yeah. Certain, you know, requirements are needed. I uh, stop for one second because you said you are a great sleeper. How can can you be a great sleeper, but all those things have to be perfect? All those things have to happen for me to be able to get into a restful sleep. So once I can sleep, like I like relax and, and sleep, I can sleep. Now, if there are some sounds or something that happen, like somebody snoring, that it ruins my rest and I and I will wake up and sometimes won't be able to go back to sleep. But tying this aspect of trauma to it, whenever I have a lot on my mind and things kind of come up from my past based on existing like current situations... Oh, man, it's like a freaking movie in my head that I just cannot shut off. Do you see it or do you think it? Or All do of you it. hear it? I hear it and I'm just like, oh, my God, I can't believe that, that you said that or that they said that. Or um, why is it that you reacted this way? Mm-hmm. And then I jump from whatever's happening now to like, oh my God, can you imagine what's going to be like 10 years from now, five years from now? Oh my God. And then it, my brain will go, it could be on this highway, like let's say um, focus on family stuff, right? And then I'm like, oh my God, do you remember that thing? You didn't do that thing at work. You were supposed to send that email. That email never got sent. And then, and I'm like, oh my God. And it's so overwhelming yeah. It it makes me feel like if somebody could just, you know, like in the cartoons, the guy comes with the little hammer out and like knocks you out and just yeah. makes you go to sleep. I wish somebody could do that. Yeah. So you yeah. got a bit of catastrophizing, just all these ruminating thoughts, plus projecting fortune telling in the future. 
Let me ask you a question. When you close your eyes and I ask you to think of a yellow star, do you see a yellow star? Mm-hmm. Like the way that you star. could see it, like if you open your eyes? Mm-hmm. Wow. Okay. So apparently this is, I see black. When you close your eyes? Yeah. I don't see an actual yellow star. I only can envision the concept of one. I don't actually see it. I recently learned that that's called your mind's eye. Apparently a lot of people can actually see something and other people don't. But I've often thought like once I realize that I don't see things, I realize that's part of why as part of my sleep practice, why I can't do guided visual meditations because I close my eyes and I just see black. People are like, oh, close your eyes and think of a beach and there's a hammock and there are trees. You know, what do the trees look like? And hear the sound of the ocean. <laughs> and like, I never could do that to get myself to sleep. And now I know why. It's because my brain doesn't see things. But I also feel like that's a gift because if my brain saw things, I think I would close my eyes and I would walk through my day mm -hmm. visually, mm -hmm. which would be so much worse than all the overwhelming thoughts that already fill my brain. So when you said, oh, I close my eyes on these traumatic situations, I close my eyes and I just like walk myself through them. Are you also visually walking through them? I think sometimes I can especially if there's a, a very strong emotion tied to whatever situation happened. Yeah. And so the emotion guides me back to that moment and I can see the actual interaction between me and somebody else. Yeah. I, I often wonder now as an adult, if that part of my brain decided to execute itself, yeah. just like cease to function as a, as a saving mechanism as a response to my childhood trauma. Or did I, or was I just born this way? Like, I don't actually know the answer. Or is it a skill? Can I rebuild the skill? This is what I've recently learned as I've been healing. Like, oh, well, can I relearn how to see in my mind's eye? With, with the example that you gave, though, like when you're, if you do guided meditation and somebody's like, can you picture uh, the ocean? Yeah. I mean, I can see it in my mind, but I don't see it in front of me. Well, that's what I mean. So I can yeah. see the thought of it. I can see yes. a concept, but it's still black. Yes. Some people see a beach, just like you saw I'd a star. Love to, I saw a star, but I, I would love to talk to somebody who can actually see a beach. Who can visualize a full scenery. I think yes. in a podcast about insomnia, Nathaniel joins us. He, I think he has a mind that can see whole narrations. That's fabulous. And... That's why one of his sleep strategies is to do a guided visual meditation. But for me, the only way that I could lull myself to sleep was through sound. And yeah. What kind like, of sound? Do you, do you do that now? or? or well, let's save that for solutions because. Okay. So I me, tell you. Let me, unpack, me. let me unpack how my trauma. <laughs> okay. This is so funny. I've never talked about this in my whole life. So very early on, I was very scared to sleep. I'm scared of the dark. I also now don't, I, for a long time, I didn't like sleeping alone. And maybe I still, I do, I'm okay sleeping alone now. But for a long time in my life, I did not sleep like sleeping alone. But 
I also needed B to feel safe. So like who I slept with mattered a lot. Like if Mm -hmm. I did not feel safe, I could not sleep. Then I feel like that's where some of the insomnia started was not being able to self-comfort myself as a child and not knowing how to comfort myself to go to sleep. So that trained my brain for a long time in my childhood to basically have anxiety sleep. So I also have very vivid dreams. So on a on a fine day, the dreams are just vivid and sometimes it's about work, which is super annoying. But when I'm very stressed, they ha- they take on qualities. Like I have repetitive stress dreams where and I could, this is how one of my my rap plan wellness recovery action plan red flags is I if I start dreaming about streets I cannot drive on being on a mountainside where I'm going to fall over the cliff sometimes school dreams are a little stressful but it's that I don't feel like is as distressing cuz normally I just like have a class that I don't know that I was supposed to go to and a test I'm supposed to take that I didn't know I was supposed to take but now I'm lost on campus cuz I don't even know where to go in class <laughs> And then the street ones are really scary because I'm always driving up a road that's very steep and then I have to fall down a road that's very steep. And then sometimes I have similar dreams where I'm at the beach and a big wave is coming and I'm going to die from the wave or I'm like riding on the wave. But you can see, right? These are like thematic. And then when I get very stressed, I have murder dreams. That you are murdered? I have had both. I have had murder dreams where I am murdered, and then I have murder dreams where someone murders, where I'm murdering someone. Oh wow! And that those murder dreams are when I I I've only had like five in my life, and I okay. and I know that I am at peak stress level when I have murder dreams. This is very interesting because you you're referencing from childhood. So can you? Think of an age when you started kind of struggling with your sleep? I mean, I think so. When I talk about not being able to self-soothe, those memories are from like five to ten. Okay. And then vivid dreams started at like middle school and then for the rest of my life. And my murder dreams have come on and off throughout since then, since remembering vivid dreams. And how is it that you identified – that the the different examples that you've given were tied to, to stress and trauma. Yeah. So for my trauma, so this is interesting. When I think about my trauma, I think about when I was little and young and going to bed so stressed. Mm. Um, there were times in my life I would be so stressed I would wake up with lockjaw, mm. and I would wake up with my fin my fist. Look, I'm gonna start crying because it's so. God, my poor little baby self. I was like so stressed as a kid. I would wake up with like fingerprint marks on my hand because I was like clenching my fist so hard. Yeah. So obviously I wasn't really sleeping very well. I don't think, you know, Mm -hmm. but you wake up from these experiences and you're like, oh, my God, like for as a child, I just remember thinking like, oh, my God, I have horrible nightmares, you know. But as I got older, I realized, whoa, like. The state of mind that I have going to sleep and the way that I'm processing through my anxiety and the way that I carry my trauma, my anxiety is affecting my sleep because when I'm not practicing my healthy habits or if I, if something happens that triggers a trauma or if I, or I'm not in therapy, like, and I'm not able to release the tension, then those things build up 
and I it's been like cycles of bad sleep cycles to yeah. to recognize this. So like only now in my 40s I'm like looking back and able to piece everything together. Right. And and now I'm so much better at seeing the red flag. So when I'm stressed, I I have to go to bed early. I have to do like a really intentional sleep ritual. But yeah, it took a long damn time because for a long time, I didn't even realize I did not even realize that I had fear based insomnia until I met my husband and I slept with a safe person for the first time in my life. And I had the best sleep in my entire life. And I mean, that was one of the ways I realized I loved my husband because I was Mm -hmm. like, whoa, I can sleep with you were able to rest. Yes, I felt safe. It was so wild for me. I looked at him and I was like, it was mind blowing in my mind. I was like, whoa, like for the first time in my life, I realized I never slept before meeting him. It was that profound because before meeting him, I could not go to bed till 3 Mm a.m. When I was so exhausted that my brain finally fell asleep out of pure exhaustion and then I would sleep from 3 a.m. to 6 a.m. I would get like three hours of sleep. That experience is um, its so laden, um, full of a range of different emotions, right? Like when you talk about fear, and I think fear is an important component to it. Like I am, when I transitioned from living in like my parents' home and I, and I had my own place, I lived with my first husband. And then there was a, uh, maybe seven, eight, I don't even know. I'm not going to do the math. There were years of my life that I was no longer married and I was on my own. And there were times where I felt discomfort in being alone. And it ties to some of these rituals that today I like, I don't like sleeping with anything that's open. Um, mm. Mm-hmm. So like a closet door has to be yeah. shut. Has to be All the shut. Doors have Windows to be have shut. to be shut. Yes. <laughs> yeah. And yeah. when, you know, now in the relationship I'm in, I remember the first few times I would go through and like close the doors, blah, 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 all this. And he'd be like, what are you doing? Just leave it open. I'm like, nope. Nope. Can't be open. He'd be like, why? And I was like, I don't freaking know. I but shut my children's closet doors. Yeah. Yeah. I'm not sleeping there, but I don't like looking at it open. Yeah. So yeah. those types of things, I think, connect to that fear kind of based, yeah. maybe unrecognized for me, because for you, I think they're much more vivid. But the other part of what you said around your dreaming, my dreams, I have some repetitive dreams, and I only caught on to this probably within the last couple of four or five years, maybe, where I, I have this one dream where it's like I'm on a mission of some kind. And the the second, third, fourth times that I've had it, I'm like, oh, I've been here before. I remember this. Mm. Do you remember this? And in my, I don't know how it happens, right? That I'm just like, you have to navigate this again. And it was like an epiphany one day that I was like, wait, why do you keep having that dream? Because my dreams are always, they're always vivid. There are times when I can wake up crying from the, impact of whatever's happening yeah and they seem they seem so real so so right there just a fine little thread yeah but when i when i'm stressed out i don't dream oh that's when i know i'm not resting 
or you know, or you're not remembering your dreams. Yeah. Who knows? Who knows? I don't know that anyway. Yeah. We're not yeah. dream experts here, y'all. Okay. So <laughs> the way that I now understand the way trauma affects my sleep is that, and this really gets into intergenerational trauma stuff. So my parents didn't have a lot of time and they didn't, they didn't grow up in a culture where they put me to bed and like sang me a song or like comforted me. But I can see now that I am a parent of a four-year-old. He's like, I'm scared. Lay with me. And I must have said that to my mother. She was like, I ain't got time for you. Like, go put yourself to bed, you know? And I do remember very young being like, I cannot go to sleep. Mm. And I could not, not only could I not have doors open I had doors, I but I could not not have a door open. Like I had to have my door open so that I could hear my parents. But I had to look at the wall because I was very convinced that if I turned around and saw the door, that I would see a person who was a stranger. Oh, wow. Things like that. And so now my husband's like, why do you always lay with our kids? Like, you need to untrain them from needing you all the time. And I'm like, he's four. Like, I just want to be able to comfort him. And I'm sure part of my brain is like, I just want him to have healthy sleep habits. <laughs> but I will tell you when other trauma started happening. So I moved into a more violent home in the third grade. And that's when the nightmares started. Mm. And so like how trauma affects my sleep is like, the first grade, the first level was like the way neglect or like the way that the inability to emotionally attend to oneself or self-soothe led to just a high anxiety state. And then I think the home environment that I then moved into later was like extra trauma. It was just like, forget it, dude. You're like, not only can you not self-soothe, you just go ahead and stay up all night to make sure you protect yourself. And you're going to have nightmares all night, basically. Mm -hmm. So your brain is constantly on guard. And that yeah. lasted all the way till my adulthood when I started to have control over my environment and learned about how, what sleep habits helped me to self-soothe. I, I don't think I actually have learned to regain sleep until the last couple of years. And maybe that also coincides with some of my recent trauma work. But yeah, I would imagine I so. I sleep better today than I have my whole life. I think it is really a touch point that in what you're sharing, not only the, the progression that, that occurred for you now that you're able to recognize it and see, you know, kind of the distinct time periods of your life that were like marked by certain aspects. And then looking at it backwards, me like, oh, yeah. But when when you are living it and you cannot see from the outside in. Yeah. All it is just like, this sucks. Like, I, I know that sometimes when my brain, I, I can't process any more information. Yeah. All the logical, analytical crap that exists in my brain. Yeah. It gets to the point where you talked about where you're, you literally have to tire your brain out. Yeah. So that you can sleep. And it sucked because for a lot of my life, I I was tiring my brain out until I could finally sleep. But now as an adult, when I fall into those spaces, I have enough autonomy to just self-medicate. Mm. And yeah. so I have come to learn that sleep is so integral to my mental health because if I am not sleeping well, 
that to me is the first step to episodes. Mm-hmm. So like I've had times where I slept so poorly, I also started to hear things or see things, but fully in sight. So like I did not, I knew that they weren't real, but I definitely was like, okay, I'm hearing clicking noises coming out of the wall. I'm seeing things kind of like out of the corner of my eye. And I didn't have, I I had poor vision. So that made it even worse because I was like, is it my mind playing tricks on me? My eyes playing tricks on me? Or did I really see a white rabbit just literally run through my house? A white rabbit. Like, why would a white rabbit run through my house? You know? And I'm a person who works with people with psychosis and schizophrenia. So I was like, dude, this is wild because I know (laughs) these things are tied together. And because of it, as soon as those things started happening, I was like, you need to get medication. You need to do Mm -hmm. something. You need to take something to make sure you go to sleep because it's bad. Yeah. I I do understand that. Um, In some conversations, too, that I've had with people who live with bipolar disorder as well, like that's one of... That's one of the key identifiers. Totally. Completely tied to how they're doing. Yeah. Oftentimes, right, where you you lay the foundation of the ritual that you need to follow to be able to get to this place of rest. And when you start breaking those rituals and forego the anything that you've kind of planned out, those are indicators of and I think when you explore and take some time to really think do certain dreams connect to these aspects of my life? Are these thoughts connected to this one event that ultimately put me in a different direction? Uh, um, It gives you an opportunity to then create rituals or something to self-soothe and guide you towards a place of rest. Um, So with everything that you've shared, what, what are you doing now? Like, I got your recovery action plan, got it, wrap plan, got it, all that. But do you have a ritual when, when you're getting ready to go to bed now? Um, It's funny that you said eye mask because I never knew how much light also affected. But to me, that's still within the realm of normal. Mm-hmm. I think a normal brain likes darkness, could like darkness or I'll say like a non-traumatized, non-mental illness brain. These are things that are normal sleep habits that everybody kind of tries to figure out. All the things that you said, quietness, white noise, et cetera. Mm-hmm. For me, the way I relate it to my trauma is I had to go through a period of my life where I did um, systematic body desensitization or relaxation processes. When I've trained people, I talk about I, – I like, I like the military method for sleep because it's just something you can Google – I don't know why the military method for sleep says sit on your bed, but I I had a freaking set of years where if I was horribly anxious or trauma was really affecting my sleep, I had to lay down and I had to tense and then release my body to hmm. practice, to train my body to know what it felt like to be relaxed. Because you remember I told you like I would wake up with my fist clenched? Yeah. And like yeah. if I had a dream that night that was literally fighting someone for my life, like, oh, I would wake up with my feet fingers clenched. Because outside of the murder dreams, I definitely have a lot of fighting and running dreams. That's another constant theme. I'm running away from somebody. I'm fighting somebody. Mm-hmm. I had to teach my body to not be tight. I think most of us function in that space though too where you don't even realize like your body's clenched yeah. up. And I would be yeah. so tight that 
I go to sleep looking like a fetus. Like (laughs) I will. And that's not like the healthy me. The healthy me was more like open, you know, but I don't even, I didn't even realize until I was an adult that I went to bed. Like I was a boxer or a baby like this, like clenched up, like super tight. And I would wake up with my neck so tight. So because I spent all night in this position, you know, in not a comfortable way. And like, I was really screwing up my, the nerves and my neck and tell me about it. So I had to practice that. But the military method teaches you that, right? To yeah, relax it says like lay down. It says attend to your body. So like work out, like like work it out so you can lay in a fully open, relaxed position. And then it says close your eyes and attend to your thoughts. So it says instead of clearing your mind, you should think something. Like, and the military method for sleep says don't think, don't think, don't think. And what I understand about this as a non-sleep specialist is that your brain, like the anxious brain thinks it's thinking a million things at the same time, but it's not. It's actually thinking about a million things sequentially, one at a time, very fast. Mm -hmm. And what I learned is that I have to replace my anxious thoughts with boring, benign thoughts or comforting thoughts. So on a good day, I could just have boring thoughts. But on a hard day, I have to self-soothe. And I actually found that the only thing, like years ago, a decade ago, when I was really trying to practice this, I, I had to find a song that comforted me. And for whatever reason, a song, but I know my clients will say like a podcast or true crime, like, and some people have to listen to it versus some people have to think through it. I literally sing myself a lullaby. Do you sing it and then sleep or are you singing it and then you just drift off? I sing in my head and I also use the number of times that I have to sing it as a measure of how stressed I am. If I have to get to three or four times singing that song, I know I'm really stressed because Hmm. on my normal stress state, I can get through it once or twice and I'm out. That's very interesting. That was a big one for me because it took a long time to find the right song too. Like, yeah, right. Any song. It couldn't just just be counting sheep or, you know, it had to be a song that really tapped into soothing comfort. You know, what? when you talk about the position of your sleep, and I think that that influences a lot. What mm-hmm. I have done is years ago, I, when I started doing yoga and stuff, there was um, the deep belly breathing, you know, and like the full release. And I do that when I'm overly stressed and like I can feel like my brain will easily jump into this place of full 75 million thoughts. I'm just like, breathe, just breathe. And if it's working enough, I will I will automatically just lull to sleep. The, uh, sometimes when there are sounds that I can't avoid and I can I can feel myself getting a little bit worked up, like I'm I'm getting energized by the anxiety that I have, I will put on the deep sleep playlist on Spotify, which I love, and like boom, I set a timer to it so it will turn off. But it is kind of white noise, very ethereal kind of music, and my brain whatever that's doing to the brain, boom. And I just, you know, go to sleep. Yeah. But (laughs) the worst thing though, is when I am sleeping and this happened to me the other day, full sleep, 
I was getting some rest and my fiance's alarm went off and normally I don't hear it, but that day I heard it and I was up, I was up and then he started talking to me. I was like, stop talking to me. Don't talk to me. Don't talk to me. And he was like, why you're talking to me? I was like, no, I won't be able to go back to sleep. And I couldn't, I, yeah. it, it, it stopped any rest. That I, I mean, had. absolutely. It, your sleep, you had an, how do you not wake up to his alarm normally? <laughs> Because I'm full on out. Deep sleep? Dang. Yes. So that's why for me at the beginning phases of my sleep, it has to be quiet. But the rest of the time is fine. Mm, Interesting. When I was in full-blown insomnia, everything woke me up. Oh, God, man. All the time. So just like screw it. But I was – I don't know that I was ever like – in a full restful sleep. I mean, it's really funny because in the research, they'll say something like, oh, well, you only dream when you're in REM and REM is deep sleep. And I'm like, my REM is not stressful and I don't feel like I'm in deep sleep. I literally, I literally wake up all the time because my brain was trained to be like, noises are unsafe. So you better watch out for who's, you know, if it indicates something where you got to wake up. Yeah. But you know, too, Teresa, one of the things, um, from what you shared, I I thought was really interesting is how you've learned how to navigate what, what works, whether it's um, the lullaby, right? The, the relaxation of the body, I think is very important. And speaking to people around the issues that they may have, I think one of the things that we oftentimes forget is the environment in which we're in. Some people can just fall asleep wherever, Those people, I have no idea how that happens, but the environment has to be safe. And you, you really touched on that when you were talking about the fact that, and you know, when you got together with your husband, you, you realized like you had never rested. Yeah. It's really funny because I can sleep on a plane. Oh my God. But I feel like a plane is safe. Nothing is going to happen to me on this airplane, but the noises don't bother me there. And it, and that's something. It's something about, well, I'm on a plane. I'm safe. Like nobody's going to hmm. come come at me here in this space. Like, oh, I don't know, okay. like there's this boundary, you know, like this is my chair. <laughs> but I do like to tuck myself into the window if I'm going to sleep on a red eye because I do think that feels more safe than sleeping on the aisle. The aisle? Oh, I love the aisle. I can't be near the window. I think there's a lot. When you have trauma – This is why with trauma and substance use, there's this whole book I love called Seeking Safety because trauma is about not feeling safe. And so where is the time in your life where you feel the most vulnerable? It's when you're asleep. You can't, you are not aware of the world. You cannot protect yourself. And, and yeah, my whole life is seeking safety. And that's absolutely tied to my sleep. The thing that sticks out the most for me in my experience is when I have been struggling with my mental health, sleep evades me. I can't get comfortable enough to fall asleep, so I will just wake up. Uh, I, I won't even really go to sleep, even though I close my eyes. I'm just like, can you please stop moving? You know, And it's me, not anybody else. It's all internal inevitably I give up and I'm just like, forget it. And I'm just going to watch TV. And I get into this cycle of not being able to get to a place of relaxation. Mm -hmm. And similarly to what you were saying, how some red flags come up for you. I have learned that sleep is a critical part 
of me being able to to balance my life in a way that it allows for me to enjoy that part of the day instead of having it feel like a weight. Oh, I got to go to sleep now. You know, it's like, no, your body needs rest. Oh, I wasn't going to have any more final thoughts, but you're, yes, I think healing in healing, I came to a place where I can enjoy sleep and look forward to going to bed. And that was how I knew I was getting better. Mm-hmm. And it was like, wow, I can enjoy sleep. I can like look forward to it instead of feeling literal dread at the thought of the night coming. Yeah. All right. Well, thanks everyone for joining us. Thank you all. We'll talk to you all next week. Keep on fighting in the open.